0: Today is the 16th day of December. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian and it is great to be here with you like every day. Wonderful to have a place to come around the Global Campfire and be together. And move forward together. And moving forward today doesn't lead us into any brand new territory. We will complete the book of Micah in the Old Testament and continue our journey forward in the book of Revelation in the New Testament and yep there will be some discussion about what we're reading in Revelation Uh, at the very very end as I've mentioned a good many times several years ago we took that path and stuck with Revelation and kind of uh, what I realized was we had to basically skip the minor prophets and that's so much territory and so I went back and found those, and so I'm I'm kind of posting what we talked about in Revelation at the very end after the prayers. And so that'll be there, but right now we are here, and so let's dive in and take the next step forward. We're reading from the English Standard Version this week, Micah 5, 6, and 7 today. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border." Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which, when it goes through, treads down and tears in pieces, and there is none to deliver. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. And in that day declares the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you, and will destroy your chariots, and I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. And I will cut off sorceries from your hand, and you shall have no more tellers of fortunes. And I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you, and you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And I will root out your Asherah images from among you and destroy your cities. And in anger and wrath I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against His people and He will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak king of Moab devised and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The voice of the Lord cries to the city, and it is sound wisdom to fear your name. Hear of the rod and of him who appointed it. Can I forget any longer the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked and the scant measure that is accursed? Shall I acquit the man with wicked scales and with a bag of deceitful weights? Your rich men are full of violence. Your inhabitants speak lies and their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. Therefore I strike you with a grievous blow, making you desolate because of your sins. You shall eat, but not be satisfied, and there shall be hunger within you. You shall put away, but not preserve, and what you preserve I will give to the sword. You shall sow, but not reap. You shall tread olives, but not anoint yourselves with oil. You shall tread grapes, but not drink wine. For you have kept the statutes of Omri and all the works of the house of Ahab. And you have walked in their councils, that I may make you a desolation and your inhabitants a hissing. So you shall bear the scorn of my people. Woe is me. For I have become as when the summer fruit has been gathered, as when the grapes have been gleaned. There is no cluster to eat, no first ripe fig that my soul desires. The godly has perished from the earth, and there is no one upright among mankind. They all lie in wait for blood, and each hunts the other with a net. Their hands are on what is evil, to do it well. The prince and the judge ask for a bribe, and the great man utters the evil desire of his soul. Thus they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright of them a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman, of your punishment, has come. Now their confusion is at hand, Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him until He pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see, and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. A day for the building of your walls... In that day, the boundaries shall be far extended. In that day, they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. But the earth will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff the flock of your inheritance who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will dread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Revelation 7 After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, do you know? And he said to me, These are... For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Psalm 135 Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for Himself, Israel as His own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from His storehouses, He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and of beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, A heritage to His people, Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate His people and have compassion on His servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 30, 5 and 6 Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Okay, so as we complete the book of Micah, it comes at a really, really good time because there's some things in Micah that not only really speak to the time of year that it is, but also to our our very lives one of the great existential questions that we ask ourselves whether we form it as a question and make it words or whether it's just this kind of inner thought is what does God really want from me? It's an interesting question to explore at this time of year because so many of us are trying to get so many of the people that we love what they want. In fact, we may be so focused on that and so focused on how to pay for all of that, et cetera, et cetera, that we don't even think about what God might want. What does God want? But from the book of Michael, before we can get to what God wants, we have to consider what he does not want. really, before we can even get to that, we have to begin with a very sad question coming from God. Oh, my people, God says, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. The interesting thing about those questions are that we don't normally think of God asking that kind of stuff. How have I made you weary? What have I done to you? I mean, we can see ourselves saying that to God. What have I done to you? And in the passage, he's saying, oh, my people. He's talking to everybody. But if we personalize it, which every time I come through this passage, that's how I read it. Oh, Brian. What have I done to you? How have I wearied you? answer me and it just makes me reflect back over a year of ups and downs like life is and victories and also valleys and so wonderful times of adoration and worship but also times of complaining and so this is a a convicting passage because in so many ways it's as if God were asking like what else do I have to do? to show you that there is a way and I love you and I will lead you if you would follow me, if you would obey me. And even in Micah, God, right after he says, how have I wearied you? He, He says things that he's done. I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of slavery. I sent you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. I sent you leaders. And then he says, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and we remember Balak and Balaam. And Balaam was summoned to curse the Israelites at the insistence of King Balak, and he couldn't curse God's people. But he did tell Balak what he could do, which was to seduce them away from God. Each one of us could hear a list of our own of the things that God has done that we should be profoundly grateful for. And so just to even think of him saying, what have I done to you? This is pretty sad. And it reads that way because it's supposed to read that way. That's where we're being led because then Micah immediately sort of in response to God saying, what have I done to you? And the realization that what God has done to and for us has been for and to our good. And so in response, Micah is saying essentially like, what does God want? What can we give him back? What are the expectations? And so I quote from Micah, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is that what God wants? And of course, it's not what He wants. And then we find out what he does want. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. There it is, like clear as it can possibly be coming out of the pages of the Bible, what God wants. That we would do what we know is right. That we would act justly. That we would love mercy. And it's just within the last couple of days that we were talking about how merciless we can be. He wants us to love mercy And he wants us to walk humbly with him. This is such a good time for us to begin to contemplate these things. Not only in our immediate behaviors with those that are all around us in a crazy holiday season. But this becomes that time of year when bigger thoughts are arising. Our rhythm is disrupted. We're moving in all kinds of directions. But we are ultimately moving to the new beginning of a brand new year. And so to carry with us into the brand new year what God wants as a baseline is so helpful. And it's not beyond our reach. It simply requires our vigilant self-control. He wants us to do what we know is right. He wants us to act justly in every way, in a macro level, in in the way that governance is done in cities, and states, in countries, nations, kingdoms, all around the world, but on a more micro, personal level, in our own lives. Be just. Bring justice. Act justly. And to love mercy. We love mercy when it is bestowed upon us. We don't always love it when we're required to offer it. We're supposed to love it and to walk humbly with God, to be aware of his ongoing, pervasive, continual presence in our lives, to be aware of it, to know that he has invited us to collaborate, to be a part of his story to love our brothers and sisters in his name. This is life-changing. As simple as it is, this is life-changing stuff if it is the way that our lives are going, if this is where we are aiming our lives, to pay attention to this, to walk humbly with God, to love mercy, to act justly. And so cheesy as it might be, in terms of trying to think of what we're going to wrap up and put under the tree for God, at least we know what he wants. And we can give it to him. Even if that means we have to sacrifice a little. Sacrifice a little of our pride. Sacrifice a little of our arrogance. Sacrifice a little bit of our indifference. We're sacrificing all kinds of cash to get everybody else what they want. This isn't going to cost any money. It's not, it's not going to cost, but it's not going to cost us any money and can and will change our very lives. And so let's consider that today as we continue forward into this blessed, joyous season that we are in heading toward Christmas. So, Father, we love you, we adore you, and we are convicted by what we are seeing in Micah today. We do love you, we worship you, we do adore you, but we are also confronted by the ways that our selfishness and self-absorption rears its ugly head in our lives. But we think of the questions that you asked through Micah what have I done to you how have I made you weary what have I done to make you tired of me the answer Lord is nothing it's on us and we know it and just the question being asked from your lips is so convicting you have provided for our every need and we are here because of your mercy and grace in our lives. May we make some changes so that we begin to realize that we are worshiping you by the way that we love one another and take care of one another, by the way that we act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Holy Spirit, come and let this sink deeply into our consciousness and into our spirit that we may make changes that we can make and surrender to you in the ways that we cannot make these changes knowing that you are in the process of transforming us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. That is the website. And that is where you can find out what's going on around here unless you are using the Daily Audio Bible app, which you can download from uh, the app store that is associated with whatever smart device that you use. Just look for Daily Audio Bible and you can download the app for free. And so check that out. It's Christmas time around here. I'm sure everyone in the world pretty much knows that. And uh, pretty much everybody in this community probably knows that. It's Christmas time around here, and so uh, that's what's going on around here. The Daily Audio Bible Christmas box is available for 2022. And that is full of goodies. Uh, Some for you to keep, some for you maybe to give away. You can check that out at dailyaudiobible.com in the shop. Or using the app in the shop just find the Christmas category and you'll find the Christmas box there in the Christmas category it's uh, kind of getting down to it though for Christmas for shipping and so these next couple of days uh, are like we're going to do one more shipment out at the beginning of the week and, uh, and that's as far as we think we can go to uh, have things arrive for Christmas you can certainly order them as long as we have them but For arrival for Christmas, we're kind of down to it. So heads up on that. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, if being around the global campfire is meaningful, then thank you humbly for your partnership as we approach these last weeks of the year. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, You can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner where the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app. That's the little red button up at the top. Or you can dial 877 942 4253 And that's all for today I'm Brian I love you And I'll be waiting for you here
1: Tomorrow This is Protected by His Wings in Tennessee Uh, This prayer is for (sighs) The Lord's laid on my heart To pray for those who don't ask for help who don't call in requesting prayer requests, who maybe as a child um, asked for help and didn't get it. Maybe they have an alcoholic mom or a drug addicted father and uh, they had to bathe themselves and fix themselves breakfast and they had to take care of their siblings and get them dressed for school and make sure they got on the school bus. And uh, they didn't join extracurricular activities because their, their parent was too drunk to get them to school or they had to make sure they got their mom cleaned up from the vomit before their dad got home or who would be injured and their parent was, was too drugged out to help them and get them to the hospital. This prayer is for you, whether you are that child or whether you were that child. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for those who feel abandoned, who feel alone, who feel unloved. Dear Lord, as I spent my 52nd birthday with a mom not calling me because she was too drunk, I chose joy because, God, you have blessed me immensely and given me a life beyond measure with peace and hope and joy. And that's thanks to you sending your son to die for my sins. Dear Lord, give everyone out there who hears my voice your hope. In Jesus' name. I
2: have a 26-year-old child that's nonverbal autistic. That I have placed which is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, place him in the care of a state facility, which is Brenham's supported state living center. I need I need much prayer. He has behavior issues, he's nonverbal, he has good cognition, but poor expression. I need everybody that has no idea how difficult this is. I need prayer. I really need prayer. This child is my life, and I want him back home. Have ever ever heard the phrase, it takes a village, sometimes it takes a village? This is that scenario. Hi, this is Victoria Soldier, just calling to pray for some of the dabbers. Wanted to say Merry Christmas, and I uh, wanted to uh, give your life and favor to everyone. Those that are, are really going through. My precious sister who called the other day and and uh, was crying and she just didn't feel like she could hold on any longer because during these times uh, a, a, a lot of, of of things come to your mind because there's a lot a little more time at home and with the with the uh, COVID. But I want to pray for my precious sister. I didn't remember her name and I also wanna pray for uh for God's girl in uh in Minnesota. I wanna pray for Carol in New Brunswick. I wanna pray for all of uh the, the the i want to pray for that husband and wife who wanted to have a baby and pray that God open up her wombs like he did uh like he did Sarah and give them the baby that, that he has a special a special purpose for a, a special purpose for them to raise in, in in the way of the Lord I just ask you to continue to pray for all of the people pray for Blind Tony and Joe the protector and for those of those young people who are going to school and being bullied and even those in the prison. Gracious Father we just ask you to have your way you are God of all grace and mercy and truth. We just ask you to heal those who are even going through cancer. Father we just ask you to Deliver. We just ask you to strengthen those that are going through, those that have lost loved ones and don't know how don't have the strength. You say those that when we are weak, you are strong. And Lord, we ask you to strengthen them. We ask you to, to to guide them. We ask you to give them life and favor Oh Father, somebody today that don't know which way to go, somebody. Dear
3: DAB family, this is your sister Ashley from California. And Y'all, I just want to say that it is such a blessing to be a part of this community, Um, especially this time of year. And Brian and everybody on here that puts us together, thank you guys for faithfully taking care of this and helping us to continue on and press on to finish this and finish it well. And for those of you who are struggling, guys, just keep do what you can. God sees us and He um, He knows exactly what we need to hear right at the right time. But I just wanted to come on here and I wanted to say thank you, Brian, for the blessing of teaching at the end of Revelation, at the end about Revelation. So often when I read Revelation, it just, it goes so fast and I do am not able to catch it and really apply it. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. It is a butt kicker. I feel like it is doing the burpees of the Bible as far as like spiritual development, but it is a blessing because even though you may not like it and they're not fun, it helps you become stronger. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. And I am just so grateful, you guys, because with the DAB, this is now my fifth time finishing the Bible. Um, And this year was so special because I got to read halfway through with my grandmommy before she passed away. And it has helped keep me going as my son Jackson has had his, uh, his ALL leukemia. So I love you DAB family and bye.
4: Hello. This is Glenn from Orlando. I'm saying a prayer for my brother who says he lost his job and he can't provide for his family and he's on unemployment and his money is running out. I just want to give you some advice. Having been there myself, give it to God. Pray like it's already been done. God will give you that job that you're looking for. He's done it for me so many times in the past where I felt the exact same way. You can get through this. Fall into the arms of Jesus and let him give you peace. Then, when he does give you that job, you'll know it was a miracle and you can praise and glorify his name. God bless you, my brother. I am praying for you.
0: Okay, so let's take a, a quick look at what we read in Revelation today. As I said when we began this book, its interpretations are uh, many. And that's a gross understatement. And these interpretations in no way agree with each other in a lot of cases. Because we have uh, lots of complexity in prophetic utterances and in symbolism. And no way to concretely determine time So our goal here isn't to interpret every nuance of the book of Revelation uh, or any of the associated Old Testament visions and apocalyptic prophecies that exist. We're just trying to look at things as we go along to uh, keep ourselves rooted in the story and have a bit of context so that we can engage with the text. So there were seven seals and uh, Jesus depicted by John as a lamb, was able to open these seven seals. And we've seen six of them opened. Four of those seals represented uh, horsemen and their riders who were tasked with uh, unleashing unrest upon the earth. The fifth seal had to do with those who had been killed uh, for holding on to their faith, martyrs. And the sixth seal seems to uh, depict the end of the cosmos as we know it. So we're expecting this seventh seal, but that's not what we get today. We will get to the seventh seal, but what we have today is a discussion on people who are sealed. So we had these four horsemen that were sent into the earth. And then as we began today's reading, we have four angels who are standing at the four corners of the earth, restraining the four winds of the earth. And most scholars would agree this, this is symbolism that is meant to show that they have power over the earth. And uh, then another angel uh, rises up from the east and, and mentions that the earth or the sea or the trees uh, shouldn't be harmed until the servants of God are sealed, that the uh, seal of God would be placed on their foreheads. And the number of those to be sealed are 144,000. 12,000 each from uh, the named tribes of Israel. But the tribe of Dan and the tribe of Ephraim are are omitted from this list. And it gets gets pretty complicated here, this 144,000. You've probably heard of the 144,000 in a lot of ways before. And there's a wide range of speculation among scholars. And entire church denominations have been formed uh, out of interpreting this. So if you're taking a literal view of the book of uh, Revelation, then... 144,000 people, 12,000 people exactly from specific tribes uh, will get the seal of Christ. And and these are all ethnic Jewish people who know the tribes that they come from, which would be rather complicated. Because when the uh, northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, the 10 tribes there were taken into exile by Assyria, they're, they're lost, like they're lost to history. And when the southern kingdom, which would be Benjamin and Judah, were taken into exile by Babylon, uh, they were eventually able to go back, and they were paying close attention to the Levites, like to the priestly tribe, but tribal identity was mostly lost. So if John is talking about ethnic Jews, then uh, then it's complicated. And if we were taking a presentist attitude interpretation like this is all happening or this is about to happen and it's kind of complicated to find 12,000 ethnic Jews who know the tribe that they are from in this day and age and it would be equally as difficult to find 144,000 ethnic Jews who live in modern day Israel who are believers in Jesus the number is more like 10% of that Just for a little perspective, I mean, there are mega churches in the world that contain more people who are professing to be followers of Jesus than all of the believers who live in modern-day Israel put together. And for those who don't take 144,000 as a literal number, some would say that this represents all ethnic Israel. All those who are ethnically Jewish will be saved at Christ's second coming. Well, others would say the 144,000 isn't a literal number. It's a figurative number, and it represents all who will be sealed, the the people of God and the formation of a new and true Israel. And I'm I'm not going to unpack that conflict right now. Like, we'll wait until we get into Paul's letters next year because it would take us down a bunny trail that would take way too long. So I think it's safe to say that most, but not all, Scholars, Do not take this 144,000 number to be a literal number with exactly 12,000 people from specific tribes. Like this is a, more of a figurative speech representing God's true people. And part of that comes from what comes next. So we have this 12,000 from all of these tribes numbering 144,000. And we get to the, the end of that and then John says... After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. So if if the number is just 144,000, then the next thing we know, we have people without number. No one can number them. So more than 144,000. Which leads some scholars to say, "Okay, there's 144,000, and those people are being sealed in this time of testing, this tribulation, and they're the remnant army of God." And then we move to this other visionary experience where the host of heaven, all the souls standing before God and before the Lamb, from every nation and tribe and tongue, are standing before God. And we could easily think these are the the ones that have been martyred, but that's not, the ones that are martyred aren't, aren't talked about here. So, who is this throng of people dressed in white if they're not the 144,000 and they're not the martyrs? So, we get an answer to that as we read along. One of the elders, so one of the 24 elders, asks John who they are. Who are the people robed in white? Where did they come from? And uh, so, John's like, Sir, you know, so he's saying like, uh, I, you would know, but I don't know, and so the elder tells him these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So these are the ones that stayed true, and some interpret this as that these are the true uh, children of God, descended from Abraham. God's promise to Abraham was that he would multiply their descendants, and they wouldn't be able to be numbered. So these are the children of God who have come out of the great tribulation. So if we're interpreting this futuristically, then there is a great uh, tribulation to come that's going to be very, very, very difficult on the earth. But if we're a little more pragmatic in our interpretation, uh, then tribulation has been around a while. And Christian-specific tribulation has been around since Jesus. And enduring that and growing strong because of it and allowing it to shape us and build character and make us true is part of the meta narrative of the New Testament. Either way, this throng of people from every tribe and nation and tongue are before the Lord and uh, they have washed their robes and they have become white and they have washed them in the blood of the Lamb. So to, to look at this literally would present some challenges. Like if, if you wash... A robe in blood it's not going to come out white and and where did they get these robes in the first place and and where can one acquire one of these robes it just becomes difficult to make literal symbolically the interpretations are that you know those who wash their robe in the blood of the lamb and it comes out white that is representing the ongoing work of sanctification the process of becoming Pure and clean and Christ-like, which requires endurance and perseverance and uh, all of the things that we've been talking about all year. And for those people, uh, beautiful, a uh, beautiful imagery is given. These people uh, serve God day and night in His sanctuary, in His presence. And the one seated on the throne will shelter them and they won't hunger anymore and they won't thirst anymore and the sun won't beat down on them and strike them anymore and heat won't hurt them anymore because Jesus, the Lamb, who is at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of living waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And I think that is beautiful, no matter how you're uh, looking at this book, no matter how you're interpreting this. It's a beautiful picture that in the end, there is God's presence. And things are as they should be, and nothing is lost. And there is no lack. And our tears will be wiped away by God himself. Which is where we end uh, today in the book of Revelation. Father, once again, we're inviting you to speak through all that we're reading in your word and we're taking it all in and inviting you. And it is our heart's desire to be one in that throng of people from every tribe and nation and tongue. We want to be one of them and we have the clear picture that we must endure and that we must remain true and that our lives can't be spent just trying to be one in that throng, but one of many that you were able to reach and love and rescue because you were able to work through us. Come, Holy Spirit, give us the eyes and the ears of the kingdom May we each be responsible for a great cloud of witnesses celebrating before your throne. Come, Jesus, we pray. In your holy name we ask. Amen.